Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From the southernmost point of dawn and all the way to the lands of always winter. It's west of west, and in the shadows in the east, this is Casterly Talk. I'm Kat Napsuck, and Rachel Cushion is in studio today. So happy to have her back in studio, part of the cogs of this wheel we do not want to break. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. It's nice to be uh, at the microphone again and not just on the phone. That was a good phone call. It was. Good phoner. Good phoner, <laughs> indeed. Uh, we are here to, uh, you know, there's no, I was, I was looking at the Game of Thrones news right before we went to air here this week. And we're recording a little bit earlier in the week than I, I, I might normally do to uh, make sure, ensure that Rachel could be here. So we happily move things around. We'll move mountains to get <laughs> Rachel in studio. Not a lot of news, Rachel, except for this article going around that George R. R. Martin uh, found some of the changes in the final season, particularly the finale, uh, traumatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's being so dramatic about it. <laughs> and that the show, if it had been completely faithful, could have gone five more years. He's, he's speaking with, uh, 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 I forget, what's the outlet here? Uh, I'm reading off some weird websites, so I don't know. <laughs> um, when there's slow Game of Thrones oh, fa- Yeah, Fast Company. It, is, it could be traumatic because sometimes the, the creative vision and your creative vision don't match and you get famous creative differences things and that leads to a lot of conflict so all right there you go he's saying he might have some might have had some conflict rachel what are we going to do with this guy i don't know george just george does george and and for the most part we forgive him that and he's not wrong in the sense of you know yeah what works in the books is not necessarily what's going to work in the show and and for better or worse the show caught up and the landscape was what it was and the uh david and dan you know did what they could with it and um you know and now we just are hoping for the rest of the books get get (laughs) writing george get writing and you're producing some prequels right you're helping them around um it's and again it's not even and this is even to me about just season eight it's just like he kind of had this approach there's things started to happen by season four where I felt, oh, George feels like he's separating a little bit. Yep. Oh, no. It was pretty clear because he'd been so hands-on, particularly in seasons mm-hmm. two and three, to the point of writing episodes and, and the like. And, you know, and, and those were very faithful to his books. And the changes, I think, made sense even to him. Yeah. But, you know, his pace with writing the books slows down between every novel that comes out. It's, it's a known fact at this point. Yeah. And the show was such a hit. They just were cranking them out. And, and, you know, and they just got to this point and he probably saw it coming, yeah. you know, by the, the rate that the show was getting through the storylines and he knew where he was in terms of writing the books. And he seemed to have, I think that was also the period where he was realizing, you know, that, uh, certain things that he had thought were working in his writing weren't, and he was yeah. changing things up and there used to be a lot more chapters being released and there was right. a feeling of momentum with the book. And then it all kind of came to a halting stop Stop. for whatever reason you know whether it has to do with the show or not i'm sure we'll never know for sure but um but yeah uh, as far back as that i think he had a sense and i think those of us who Mm. knew the stories and the books very well also had the sense of 
you know, in a couple of years, he's not going to have written two more gigantic <laughs> books to actually finish this out where yeah. the show is headed. So it's an interesting perspective because you you had been booked before, way before, uh, way way before, uh, and I was uh, you know book one, book two after seasons one and two. And by the time I got ahead and I got to book four, I was really excited. I tell my I tell one of my friends, I'm like, after going into season five, I was like, oh, bro, the sand snakes are coming. Yeah. It's this whole thing, and there's Ari and Martell. And, I, and then when that didn't happen, it, I was a little upset. I was a little like, hey, where's the, the things I know I think I'm smart about knowing? I quickly realized, though, once the once I got into book five, I'm like, there's no way they can do this. There's yeah. no way they can do this. Well, it's funny because, I'll actually, I'm really curious to know, when yeah. you read books, book four particularly, right. uh, book five uh, to a, a certain extent as well, were you disappointed in them on your initial read because we were getting mm. practically brand new storylines and yeah. brand new characters and, you know, and to, to the point of now we're not living with John and Danny and Tyrion and the people that we've grown yeah. so close to instead we're living on the iron islands and we're living in Dorne and yeah. we're following, you know, characters that, you know, we hadn't spent three books falling in love right. with. Um, I remember a lot of readers were yeah. like, what's this? You know, what are you doing? <laughs> I, yeah. Book four was a challenge. Yeah. Book four was a challenge and there's some great stuff in there. Oh yeah. And I've been slowly poking away at it. Uh, before I moved, I had the book out and it was just one of the things I just grab, read an afternoon, read a chapter, read a part of a chapter. Cause they're like, Oh wow, this is still 50 more pages of this chapter. Um, <laughs> And there was things I was picking. I was like, oh, oh, this is, I, I have a greater appreciation for this. Yes. So I have no doubt. But yeah, at the time, I can't imagine getting that book finally, finally. Because mm-hmm. uh, between three and four, we're talking years already. Yep. I think that was, he was, it was, it was exponential. Mm-hmm. Like there was like a mm-hmm. year between the first two and then two years and then like four years. So it had been at minimum five right. years. Yeah. I can't imagine getting that book and going, this entire book didn't have Daenerys. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have a lot of Jon Snow. He had a little, you know, a lot of Cersei, a lot of great Cersei stuff. <laughs> yes. And, but, and new characters to yeah. POV, which was, you know, right. a great switch up for sure. I, 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 you know, that's, I'm glad you meant it. So when the first, one of the first chapters is, um, it's, it's Oakenshield, right? It's, it's his point in point of view, Eris Oakenshield. Uh, oh, oh uh, it's uh, not Oakenshield. It's, uh, it's uh, not Oakenshield. Oakenfist. Oaken, yeah. No, it isn't. Oh, it is Oakenshield, Oak and Oakenfist is from Fire and Blood. That's there you <laughs> Sorry. go. Sorry. <laughs> a lot of names. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is exciting. Oakhart. 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 Okay, we Did got Did I say Oakenshield? <laughs> yeah. Oakenshield is Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> okay, we nerded out in a circle there for a second. <laughs> wow. Is Bilbo in this one? Um, Oakenhart. Eris Oakhart. Oakheart. Okay, we got there. This is a Game of Thrones podcast, people. We've watched this <laughs> show. We've read these books. Uh, someone on a YouTube comment would be like, eh, <laughs> you guys don't know the show. Um, I, I was excited. I was like, oh, a new point of view character. Oh, this is really great. Mm-hmm. And uh, that it was like the third time, third chapter, fourth chapter, fifth chapter. Hey, where's the where's the people? <laughs> <laughs> but I think the book's really good. So it's long way around. Yeah, it was it, it was weird. I can't. The show could not have done that. No, because I don't think a show audience is quite as forgiving as uh, readers in that right. sense. If you had done Clearly. a series, <laughs> I know we know now for sure that was the case. Um, but yeah, if you had gone full on with all the Martells and you know, uh, and and then all the stuff on the Iron Islands and spent episodes there with barely checking in um, yeah. with the other characters, you would have riots. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Look, and I think I'm a little disappointed with Dorn. Uh, definitely. It's one of the things uh, I think there was a missed opportunity. Maybe just a little bit more could have been there, but yeah. um, fake on uh, old oh, Griff, young God. Griff. Can, I mean, wow. and, and I know that he's a, such a controversial character, mm. but Quentin Martell yeah. is such an interesting character and very unlike a lot of other Game of Thrones characters in his, um, his companions and, and yeah. his story, his journey is so interesting in the books right. and would have been great on the screen, but given yeah. where it ends would have felt like, well, how'd we go on that journey again? Exactly. So George, I love, I love George R. R. Martin. Of course we do. It's, it's, it's similar. Sometimes some things George Lucas says, we're just like, look, man, Go, go create. <laughs> Let's try to enjoy this. Uh, that was the only bit of news. Um, we're going to get a lot into more fire and blood stuff. Uh, Rachel had, uh, uh, you know, I'll be honest, like Rachel, you, you wrote and you're like, I need, I need another shot at this real soon. I need to talk <laughs> about fire and blood. Yep. We're going to do that. But before I want to throw, uh, we, uh, last week got a great call from Alden Diaz who was talking about mentors in Game of Thrones. And, mm. you know, easily it's easy easy for me to list some of the old crusty uh, dudes with beards that were mentors, and there's a lot sure. there. We talked a lot about um, Sansa's mentors and getting them from weird sources. Sure. Uh, uh, definitely, you know, she, she absolutely learned a lot from Cersei and, and mm. Baelish, for better or worse. Um, we got a call about a great mentor we're going to play here. Do you have any thoughts on mentors in Game of Thrones, what it means to the story, and some of your favorites, including some of those old crusty guys with beards? Sure. It's such an... Um a fantasy trope, if you will, mm-hmm. to have that character, you know, right. the the person who's been through it all and is looking to the next generation and training them. And, you know, they're not quite as um, deliberate and apparent in Game of Thrones as they are like with a Gandalf or with an Obi-Wan, you know, in, in those classic stories. But you have a lot of, um, I think like the father children dynamic has a, a, a bit of that going yeah. on in here. And, and, in my head, I mm. go immediately to like Rob and John, both trying to emulate Ned um, in a lot of ways. And, you know, in, in, in a kind of a, a twisty version of that is, is Tywin and his children. And, yeah. and the, you know, he is a mentor to them, even though it's not necessarily in all the positive attributes you think of when you think of mentor. But right. I think, you know, one of my favorites, particularly in the show, it, it's it's there in the books, too. But um, Brienne to Pod. Mostly yes. because I, I obviously I'm a yeah. brand girl and, and I will call yeah. her out every chance I get. But I love the idea of um, somebody who is not supposed to be what she is yeah. to begin with, mm. in turn mentoring somebody who actually has, you know, a, a, a decent chance. I mean, pain is a is a, yeah. is a is a middle of the road house. So yeah. like pot actually has every chance of being a knight that that would not be a, a strange career choice for somebody from that house and of his lineage to be, but to want to learn how to be that from such a, um, an abnormal version yeah. is I think very uh, interesting. It's a great example. Cause also what I love about it is Brienne doesn't really want that role. It's very true. And yeah. she, it's, it's a growth for her. Mm-hmm. It's powerful growth for her. Yeah. Oh, Brianna Tarth, we do love you so. Uh, here's a call. Here's a thought of someone I hadn't thought about last week. We talked about a lot of them. Uh, uh, and, yeah, it's funny. You and I both went kind of the same spots with Tywin. He's a mentor. Yeah. He's, a, he's mentored Arya for a brief moment. In the show, for <laughs> sure. And yeah. that's what makes him – and he is – there are um, – I've had this conversation with you, I think, before. Mm. But characters that aren't – I'm not going to say are better in the show, but are just yeah. more interesting, more fleshed out right. and, and utilized in different ways in the shows. And Tywin is absolutely one of those. He's 
there mm. on the page and his influence is there for sure. But when you actually have Charles Dance inhabit the role and you see him skinning a deer and you you just get it all mm. from an eyebrow raise yeah. from that guy. Um, and then to to further that character in in the idea of, of how he relates to the next generation by introducing Arya into the scenario. It's just, yeah. it's one of the really great things that the show brought to the story. Yeah. You didn't think of it, George R. R. Martin, huh? <laughs> you didn't think of it all traumatic over there with your, your vests in New Mexico. All right. We got a call from our good friend, Eric Monroe, uh, about a mentor. Uh, I, I, I think I glossed over talking about crusty, crusty old men with beards. Here we go. Hey, Candy Cashley Talk. So talking about mentors, one mentor relationship I really liked was the Hound and Brother Ray. Now, we only got to see it for one episode, but I personally thought it was very, very effective, and it leads me into a what-if question. My question is, do you think if Brother Ray and his flock were never killed, do you think the Hound was content with just living that kind of a life? Because, you know, he really, the Hound really did seem at peace. But do you think sooner or later, eventually, something would have happened? And, you know, that quest for vengeance against uh, the mountain, you know, something would have driven him from that kind of, like, peaceful life. So what do you think would have happened to the Hound if Brevere Ray never died? Mm, there you go. Um, Very cool. Yeah, so... I love this one for Ian McShane. So great. And you know, and he's, even he's if he's a, just there for an episode, we will there. take what we can get. And, and he's a crusty old dude himself. who's <laughs> like, I don't like that show. I don't like that show. Um, love that relationship. It, you know, it, talk about book to show, you know, this hasn't even played out in the books. We got this grave digger running around, right? uh, which, you know, by now it's, you know, it was, it, it's the hound. It's We're all pretty hound. sure. <laughs> yeah. And they, they've thrown the grave digging scene with the hound. Uh, was it season seven? So, mm-hmm. um, I don't. Yeah, you're kind of shaking here too, Rick. He did not seem content at all because you can't. The, the, the difference is you can't go around and have this character called the Grave Digger, and people are like, "We don't know who that is." When you're looking at Rory McCann, mm-hmm. you can't do it. it no, you're absolutely. You right. have to deal with it, it different. That's, it, it's the same with Barristan and Arston Whitebeard. Like, yes. what works in the book is not going to work visually speaking, <laughs> yes. um, which is fine. Yeah, um, lest we forget, uh, Barristan was around for a long time with a white beard and a different name in the book. Exactly. <laughs> on the show, it's two seconds. Speaking of mentors, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think the point of Brother Ray's relationship with Sandor was to um, mm. to change Sandor. It was to yeah. give Sandor a new perspective mm. to to you know augment what was already there. But I've often said, and honestly, this last season really tested me on mm. it. The idea of characters don't change. It's yeah. very difficult to change who you are. Mm-hmm. Because it, it's so innate, it's so interior. It's it's you were raised, and things happen to you in your life to such a, an extent that you become a certain kind of person. And you can change certain things, and you can become a better or worse person in to some ways. But I don't think at the core you can change. So I do not think that Sandor could ever be a completely peaceful, at peace kind of character in yeah. the way that Brother Ray represented. But I do think he gave him, I mean, a, a, aside mm-hmm. from the fact that he nearly died, which will always give right, somebody right. a certain new perspective. <laughs> yeah. um, but Brother Ray also brought to him like a sense of maybe it's okay to um, 
it's like it's like the accepting yourself type of situation yeah. you know you because sandor was a terrible person and then beat himself up for being a terrible yeah, person yeah. like he was like a sort of a self-flagellating character um and and i like the idea that he could look at a peaceful community which he could not have done in season one mm-hmm. and look at it in this uh way you know years Mm -hmm. later and see something positive in it it's not for him right but it's something worth fighting for it's something worthy in this world you know you think this world is basically just terrible through and through here's a little piece of it that proves that that's not the case they then all get killed so maybe his point of view is is a little bit more corroborated but in the what if scenario if they hadn't i still think he would had there would have been some catalyst there would have been something that set him back on a collision course with all the characters you know um that he'd known before and uh, with the mountain but um right right that burned but it's definitely a mentor situation in the terms of like here's another way to look at the world and to look at yourself in it i think that's some great insight in what you're saying there about him kind of he had beaten himself up for being bad, but knows it and doesn't necessarily, uh, you know, I wonder if he ever, if, if he ever wishes he had a choice, you know, of, of, of to be good or not. Early on, you kind of think you yeah. probably went through that stage of it. Yeah. Like, you know, I was but, burned by my murderous, crazy brother. Yeah. And this is the life that was, that found me. So damn, uh, yeah, it wasn't uh, yeah, I never got the sense on that episode that he's sticking around, but it, it serves a great purpose. Uh, that there's some other things to fight for. I think the biggest, you know, change is him burying the, the farmer and his daughter. Yeah, absolutely. And, and caring. Because he wasn't wrong when he told Arya, this is how it is. Exactly. His point yeah. of view in the world was the one you would have had you yeah. lived his life. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just that black and white. Yeah. But it was nice to see that uh, a certain perspective shift showed him that there is are things worthy in the world. And then, yeah. you know, even when he's right, yeah. you know, to the, the kind gesture does actually mean something. It, it it pays off a little bit too when he's talking to Brienne, reunited with Brienne, and they're talking about Arya. Mm-hmm. She's like, she's alive, you know, and he kind of yeah. has that reaction to it. Like, it, it allows him, to, you know, before he would have been like, I don't care. Well, there's, there's Throw the girl. And off. there's your, your other yeah. connection, the, um, the mentor role for yeah. him to Arya, right. you know, bringing his perspective to her, hardening her in the ways that she needed to be, um, you know, as a, as a, uh, a lord's daughter and, and, yeah. and stuck in the world and the way that she was and the things that she went through, she had to be hardened, and he was a very big part of that. Yeah. Um, but in turn, she's, she she, she kind of snuck into his heart yeah. in 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 a small way too. Yeah, absolutely. It's a it's a great example. Great stuff, Eric. Uh, that's our thoughts on that big Game of Thrones. What if we've been doing these wonderful what ifs? Uh, before we take a break, we got some minutes here. We're going to set up what we're doing here. Uh, with the fire and blood conversation. And quite frankly, Rachel, uh, this is your form. This is, <laughs> you're not a guest on the show. You, you come around these parts cause you, you own half the building here. All right. You be, you, you, where's your mind right now with fire and blood and the potential show and the book and everything. It's just so much fun uh, to speculate because what fire and blood is that the original series wasn't is, you know, 140 some odd years worth of history, plus a little more if you count sort of the prologue aspects of it in one book. And so there's so many things there, but they're mostly broad strokes. Mm -hmm. So my head goes, if a show focused in on this part of it, think of all the amazing ways they can build upon that and visualize that. And, you know, and there's so many sections and I get why, you know, it seems likely that if this show does at least move forward into the pilot stage, um, that they're concentrating on, on the dance of the dragons. I totally get that, but there are so many 
show possibilities within this one book that I absolutely, you know, just, just makes me very excited, like more so than I thought I was going to be. And weirdly, I love the long night idea and I'm very excited for that show. I really, really am because I'm, I love the white walkers and I love the Starks and the North and all of that's going to be great. But there is something about the Targaryens and about the fact that I just loved reading fire and blood so much that my imagination sort of has gone a little wild with all the possibilities. And it just makes me happy that HBO is considering, you know, diving into that material. It's so fun. I I have to remind myself that I'm still excited for the other, other one, you know, and not be like (laughs) the other one because this one's far, farther off potentially. The other one's shot. Mm -hmm. uh, And I'm so excited for that one. And this one comes along and I don't know. And I was reading and getting some notes up of, of, about the book fire and blood you know, I, I, it, 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 one of the things uh, I think I stumbled onto Wikipedia, not not a wiki of ice and fire where I go a lot. Um, it was like other oh, books got mixed reviews, and you know, again, some people uh, didn't take to it as much. I totally get that. I think you and I took to this book way more than maybe yeah. I thought. I, I thought I wasn't alone. I, there's other people enjoy it, but some of the some of the reviews, I just was like, what are they talking about? Like, man, did they? I guess they. We just read different books. I have to. I have to ask. Are you? Um, you like to read like history books, like nonfiction. Yes. Me too. And I think that yes. might be part of it because I, you know, I listened to uh, your wonderful episode with Michelle and yeah. she said something that my sister did too, which was it just got a little tiring yeah. for them, you know, at a certain point, like certain plot points and certain characters and certain stories did capture their imagination. Yeah. But after a while, it's just a lot of names and a lot of battles and a lot of dates and a lot of like, you know, and, and it's a lot yeah. to throw at you. And, but I'm used to that because I'm like a world war two military history junkie. Like yeah. I, I've all the Ambrose books and, and right, you right. know, that kind of stuff. So oh, like Dave, I read Dave McCullough books. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like yeah. I'm, my brain might be more attuned to that kind of writing style, which yeah. this has a similar fit. Cause I mean, it's, Archmaester Gildane yeah. writing the history. So it's a historian writing a nonfiction history. Same with the World of Ice and Fire book. And this yeah. is way more definite. Yeah. It, 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 and if, if you're out there listening and you tried to read this or you didn't take to it, I, yeah, this isn't a even close to like a season eight debate. It's just, yeah, Rachel just really hit the nail on the head there. I will sit and watch, you know, uh, every Ken Burns documentary right. there is. Exactly. I'll, you know, McCullough books. If you've ever read a David McCullough book, I mean, they they can get pretty thick. Mm-hmm. I read the the Teddy Roosevelt one, which yeah. is great, and it like ends at his like he's twenty nine when the book ends. Like it doesn't <laughs> even get to the presidency, you know. Yeah. A lot of times, reading about the North Dakota Badlands, and I'm just, <laughs> and I just love it. Yeah. So I'm taken to this, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's like we have already discussed. You can't just do a. I mean, I think you could, but you can't just do a documentary series. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wouldn't work. People want the drama. Yeah. So um, let's highlight some of the stuff. Dance of Dragons is, is makes a lot of sense. It is uh, the book has six chapters, roughly, uh, of the Dance of Dragons, and it's uh, the dying of the dragons, all those kind of things. Um, and it's some of the best stuff. And again, it's the main event for a lot of people. Yeah, and it's also the one he's fleshed out the most because even prior to Fire and Blood, he had written The Princess and the Queen and The Rogue right. Prince. So he had, you know, really kind of fictionalized mm-hmm. um, uh, those stories already um, and then just added that much more uh, in Fire and Blood. So, right. you know, those characters pop off the the page almost as much as some of our favorite Game of Thrones characters. Yeah, I, totally, you know, totally. so so you can just see why mm-hmm. that, that there is such a great framework and such great struggle and controversy and characters, um, you know, from all different, you know, uh, 
houses that we know and houses that we don't, and even does sort of, you know, uh, bring in a little bit of Essos and a little of, of right, you right. know, the more the international, if you will, flavor of things. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it makes a lot of sense to me because I can just, I can already picture the tent poles for the seasons right. and like in this particular oh, story. Yeah. Especially so. if, I mean, you look at it, uh, it's, it's the blacks and the greens, yeah. uh, son of a son for a son, the red dragon and the gold, Renera, uh, triumphant, Renera overthrown and the shed sad short reign of Aegon, second there's six seasons right there <laughs> yeah no 100 percent, absolutely yeah. and i do think too because you would have to start a little bit earlier like yep. i was thinking in my head like what would i want to see i would like to see like bring in i mean they did max von cito already as yeah. as uh, the three-eyed raven but like bring in like an ian mckellen or somebody and be jaharis just as he's about to, oh, yeah. to pass on and then you have the controversy of who inherits and right. that was the first time the yeah. realm decided that it would go through the male line versus the female line yeah. uh passing over Rhaenys and going to Viserys and then you have to track Viserys because really the seeds for the dance were planted in his reign because of his two wives and his two children right. and we're right back to the female through Rhaenyra and he chose her as his heir yep. and yet he got remarried to those high towers which speaking of a <laughs> family a house that we've never, never seen never in seen. the game of thrones but is huge in the history of Westeros we could get high towers you could have, you know, Alicent coming in and then having Aegon who would become Aegon the second. And then you have your greens and your blacks and there you go. But you right. need to plant those seeds. So I always yeah. like in my head, like the first season would back up just a little to, let, you have to uh, yeah. Game of Thrones did it. We didn't get right into the war of the five Kings. We no. had to back that up and yeah. like set all the pieces in place. So, um, but yeah, there's a, a lot of really cool things. Uh, I mean, uh, folks, if you're, if you're hearing these names, this is what I, this is what I told you last week on the show. Uh, when I was by broadcasting by myself, you should be afraid. Rachel's ready. <laughs> She's been studying this book again, again, again. And I have I, a head for love, names. No, well, you know, except for Oak and Oaken, <laughs> Oaken, Well, <laughs> I started you off the wrong path with Thor and Oakenshield, right? Uh, you know, um, this is why she's a, a former champion of the world there uh, in trivia. So, um, a couple. Let's do a couple now. We'll take a break, and we got a call from our uh, friend and contributor uh, Thomas Risling that uh, is about this book as well, and something that he thinks uh, you know he'd like to see at least. So, w- what are some of your other highlighted things that you want to see here? Well, definitely. Um, I mean, we talked about the last time I was on this show. You know, Aegon's conquest is certainly. Uh, Mm. seminal you know it's what started it all and you know and you can back that up even you know to like at least tell a little bit about the doom and you know and how the targaryens got to dragonstone in the first place and and and, you know and then um onwards and there's great characters you know um so there's definitely that the part of the book i think i liked the most but I know part of it is because it was the most new material was the reign of Jaehaerys and Alysanne. Yeah. And we've heard through the world of ice and fire and multiple times throughout the, um, the novels of how Jaehaerys was basically considered the greatest King that the greatest Targaryen King that yeah. Westeros ever had. And it's because he had a very long reign. Um, he also inherited his reign from Magor the cruel where things were really, really, really bad. bad. Um, he managed to survive that situation. And then he went on to rule side by side with his sister wife, Alisanne, who is mm-hmm. also, you know, largely surprisingly being a woman credited with so much from this period time period. And then, mm-hmm. so we knew all that. Um, and then fire and blood just dove in. 
And these people, yeah. they, they became people. They became characters. They they had attributes. They had fights. They had all these kids and all these things happen. And it wasn't this, you know, 60-year mm. reign of peace. There was a no. lot of turmoil. There was a lot of stuff and a lot of drama. Maybe not like battles and dragons on dragons, but mm-hmm. it's still so intriguing to me. Um, and frankly, one of the reasons is what there's so many strong female characters mm-hmm. coming through in that section too. I yeah. mean, uh, Alison, obviously, but a lot of the daughters and, um, and even, uh, Raina who right. should have been queen again, when you're talking about this female versus male, she was, yeah, you know, uh, Harris's older sister, yet she got bypassed. bypassed. So, you know, there's just a lot of the kind of, if you like the political character driven machinations side of game of thrones this i think is one of the best stories i it's an interesting idea because it it was uh i'm trying to think this is where i really got into the book mm-hmm. and it is their relationship and and when they go on their little tours yeah. all these things would happen the doctrine of exceptionalism yes. that idea i think is really really intriguing uh, there, there's uh i'm trying to think of the year but there's uh there's some uh diseases that go around there's yep. a lot of things that go mm-hmm. around the shivers it was yeah. the first time a targaryen <laughs> yeah, that's right the shivers it's, it's the it's the winter fever and the shivers are the yeah. huge big disease the disease that hit in the book but the yeah. fact that that's part of it and you get a still get a sense of the seasons playing a role right. in everything as they did um so yeah i liked the idea of not just this like paragon of a king who ruled for 60 some odd years and uh-huh. everything was great everything was built great, lots yeah. of roads and septon bars don't you want to see septon bars I want to, on my tv yeah. i really do and building the roads talk about the roads and everything <laughs> yeah. and and it's really reminds me it's so funny you said uh you know mccullough's most known for i think for john adams Probably. um the book and then which became the great hbo series um I, I and which of course Stephen delane is thomas jefferson's first time i, I got mm-hmm. to learn uh, about him not thomas jefferson but Stephen delane uh <laughs> <laughs> clarify that uh this section of the book is where it started to get me because it felt like the beginning of a country it aegon's conquest yes and he hasn't you know after he conquests uh and dorn uh, shakes a hand there's a long reign there absolutely long reign and then yeah Magor the cruel is classic it, it reads like game of thrones yes. he's Magor the cruel i know but then uh, jaharis comes in here and 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 it is about this formation of this world i've grown to love and it's really interesting and and has a lot of, yes but there isn't the big dragon on dragon right. nuclear yeah. war option but it'd be great yeah or just get a follow up give me a book on that Oh, I know, right? I mean, they're, believe me, there's enough words in this book about that. <laughs> True enough. It's something simple. Uh, one more other section, Highland, and we'll take a break and come back and go to that call. What, what, what other things, what other possibilities? What's on your list? So I think the the, the three big things that uh, it touched on were the, you know, the conquest, then the Anis Magor, right. you know, Hellish Time, Jaehaerys, and then Dance of Dragons. Um but in there, there are small woven things, and mm. I, 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 I'm going to repeat this just because it's it's too good not to. But yeah. the Alyssa Farman story is is just and and what it's not just Alyssa Farman; it's actually it's it's Raina as well. Yeah, uh, the um, the the woman who should have inherited mm. but didn't, um, and then basically like you know during managed to survive Magor shockingly and then the way that she just sort of like lived around westeros at different times they called her the queen of the west and at different times she had a very uh confrontational relationship with her mother Alyssa valarian and and the fact that her younger brother and younger sister jaharis and alisanne 
took the throne yeah. and and that was you know <laughs> this beautiful long kind reign of difficult for her about, yeah. right you know yeah. so she's got this very interesting sort of cheated vibe but she lives this really incredible life yeah. and one of the things about her it's it's not you know come right out and said but it seems very likely that she was yeah. a lesbian yeah, with, and with, with she this. had all her female favorites yeah. um and the most important of which is Alyssa Farman who yeah. just I mean, we got like a, a, a swashbuckling female adventurer in this it's, story. Like, how could you not want to know more? I would love because uh, the, the Farman character is, is, I'll say she's the Arya of her time and Arya is yes. the mm-hmm. uh, Alyssa Farman of her yeah. of her time. Uh, the template's kind of there. Yeah. It's such a great story. And their, and their relationship, because she's married to uh, Alyssa Farman's brother, right? Andrew, uh, Andrew uh, Farman, and yes. It's kind of yeah. like, what's going on in that family? Yeah, right. Um, there's some weird stuff going on. But it's... I would not be opposed. I don't know if it, 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 it's not my the, what I put money down on for this to be the, the series to be about. But give me a movie. Yeah. Give me a two hour mm-hmm. story of her life or or that voyage of the Don Treader thing. And that's what Michelle and I were talking yes. to. We both went yeah. to the voyage of the Don Treader in our head. It's a, it'd be really fascinating. And how that ship ends up. Because I know it's witness statements that can be changed. It ends up in a shy. That's and that's come on. Which leads me to probably one of my favorite characters in all of Fire and Blood is yeah. Corliss Valerian. Yes, I, I, the sea snake. I mean, I, you just—he's too good, and he—he yeah. he lives this really long, oh crazy my, life. Yeah. So, like, that's part of why he's so fascinating. Um, yeah. But the fact that he's the one who yeah. thinks he's is pretty sure that pretty he sure. saw. Uh, her ship in in Ashai, I think, is a great yeah. tie into the whole thing, and then of course the three eggs and and tying into Game of Thrones as well, right. which is just you know it's really lovely storytelling, but really yeah. interesting storytelling and unexpected. Like when I opened that book, that is yeah. not what I expected to read. You go so for those I, we've mentioned a few times, and Michelle and I did, and you've mentioned it before here. Uh, so so she has, and you probably will refresh my memory a little bit better. She has the she has three eight dragon eggs. Yeah, so she had been Raina's favorite, favorite. for uh, a long time, and they were kicked off of Fair Isle um, and settled on Dragonstone. Yeah, and Dragonstone is not a pleasant place. No, the show does a fairly good job of of showing that, but I think it's even less homey yeah. <laughs> than yeah, the yeah, show yeah. depicted. Um, and there's a handful of Targaryens that love it, yeah. but most people that live there pretty much hate it. Yeah, um, and Alyssa. Uh, grew to very much despise being cooped up there. She yeah. was a, a, a sailor, um, and and Raina had other favorites. And Raina was also going through a lot, and you know probably was not the most um, uh, kind-hearted companion right. at, at that point. So uh, she asked to leave, and Raina said no. So she decided to steal three dragon's eggs and run for Bravos, uh, which is just crazy. And also very cinematic in my brain. I can just see this. Um, But yeah, and heads to Bravos and, and, and sells the, the eggs to uh, a Bravosi and is able to use that money to build her ship and fund her, her great expedition. This great expedition. So tell me, tell me, you know, that's not a start of a movie. Um, And, and I'm, and, and I love what George does. He's always going to leave room. Uh, he's always going to make you think and have a little fun, and I love that. There's a there's a, a Star Wars book that just finished, Alphabet Squadron, and there's a point that has nothing to do with the Jedi. It's all Battle of Endor, right after stuff, and these these uh, pilots are on a temple, Jedi temple, getting supplies, and a ship flies over them. And I'm telling you, in my mind, that's Luke Skywalker, and it's just fun. And it's, but it's never explained. The answer is never given. George dances in that world all the time, uh-huh. and this book is full of it. And I'm telling you. 
the when I when I realized she was selling three dragon eggs over in Essos, and you know those are going to end up in Ilario Mopathos's hands. Mm-hmm. I just think it's just, it's, I want to see that on screen. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I just want to see that on screen. Because, it, I mean, at the end of the day, for for uh, television viewers is, who haven't read the books and don't know any of this, for whatever shows and movies that come next, they want the connective tissue. They right. want the little pieces that, you know, make them feel like they understand and know a little bit about this world. And things like that will go a long way. Things like that will go a long way. And there's a lot to talk about. Uh, we're going to take a break. But, uh, you know, what? my one... Fear is, you know, with the Age of Heroes show, we don't know. And George yeah. can, as, as he's already like, we're going to, you're going to find out some truths. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have fun with that. And I trust him. I really trust him. Yeah. This one, he's laid it out like a documentary, yeah. like a history book, that if they were to squish something up and suddenly characters are in the wrong era by 50 years <laughs> or something, just because they want to get something cool, yeah. uh, I'd have to struggle with that. But I'd still love to see it. Sure. Don't get me wrong. All right, we're going to take a break here at Casually Talk. On the other side, we're going to hear from our friend Thomas Rizzling with a phone call. And uh, we're going to talk more about Fire and Blood. Rachel Cushing is here, everybody. And we're having fun talking Lord of the Rings. I mean, Game of Thrones. <laughs> Quoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back here on Castle Talk. Thanks for sticking around through the break. We like keeping the lights on, keeping the candles lit in the castle. Uh, Rachel Cushing is here. We've been talking fire and blood, and I got a, I got a confession to make. I just love listening to you talk about this. <laughs> I don't feel like I need to do any talking or hosting. I just feel like I need to give you the forum to talk about Aww. these uh, characters. That uh, I just love your uh, joy of fire and blood, and uh, it's. I said it was my favorite reading experience, and that includes reading book one and going, "Holy, this is this is just as good as the show and better in some spots." And then book two, and, and I, yeah, I think season two is better than book two. Don't at me. Um, <laughs> but reading book five and go and, and like having those like hold down the book. Oh my god, I can't believe I can't wait to see this on TV and some of the stuff you do see later on TV. This one from start to finish, I just soaked it up. Clearly not as good as you with the names, but I soaked <laughs> it up and just love reading this vibrant living history of this world that George has created. This is why we're talking about it here. Um, all right. Before we get going to more uh, down the list of things that, that excites you about possibly appearing in the show, which, again, we admit here at Gasly Talk might not even happen. 
Uh, this this almost Brian Cogman had this the first time, and he's like the Lord Czar on the show. Right. He couldn't come up with a script that worked. Uh, they're going again here. I have faith. Uh, we're going to talk about that. But this is our, our pal Thomas Rizzling. Uh, you guys hear him on the show. Sometimes this is ruminations uh, from the realm here. Also, sometimes just straight out guests when he can call down from the great white north. He's up beyond the wall himself. He's got a great call here, specifically knowing that Rachel was going to be in studio. Hey, Ken and Rachel, Casterly Talk. So as fans of both the book and show, do you believe that we'll be lucky enough to see Danis the Dreamer's famous premonition and Aenar Targaryen uprooting House Targaryen to flee Valyria in favor of Westeros. And also, any thoughts on if we'll see what caused the doom of Valyria in this potential Fire and Blood series? Is that something you'd like to see? Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts, and it's always great to hear Rachel on Castaway Talk. Thanks. It's always good uh-huh. to hear you on Castaway yeah. Talk, Thomas. And congratulations, recent nuptials to Emma up oh, there. Oh, congratulations, in, uh, Tom. In, uh, in the, I, I, I hope... Uh, Thomas, that you you wrapped uh, each other's hands and put a cloak on somebody, <laughs> and you did this in the name of the seven, and the light of the seven, I should say. Um, all right, Rachel, uh, what he's talking about here, uh, well, you touched upon a little bit. Uh, you know, it is, I think, a misconception by casual fans and even fans of uh, with a little bit more uh, interest, a uh, passion for the details. Uh, Aegon, the, the, we hear about the conquest, Aegon's conquest. That's kind of the start of all this 300 years before the story that we're familiar with. And, you know, he comes over from uh, Valeria and conquers. It, they, they, he didn't roll over mm-hmm. and just decide to conquer. They had been over. The family, the Targaryen family, been over for over 100 years. Yep. So what he's talking about there is uh, is uh, Aenar, kind of the uh, granddaddy of all the Targaryens, and his daughter, uh, Daenys, who's Daenys the Dreamer. Who has this vision? Something's, something's going on, pops. We should leave. <laughs> he packs up the family, and uh, twelve uh, twelve years later, the doom of Valyria happens. I'd love to see this. I don't know if we'll work on the show. I'd love to see this. I could see it in a. I think I said this last time in a Lord of the Rings prologue type way, like oh, you know, yeah. just like just like a five to ten minute. You know, the world is ca- changing. Yeah, like you, you, you get get the best VO person you God can think it. of. You know, not, sorry, you know what I want to do now? I want to watch those movies. I Just know, see here. Right. Oh man, God, so good. Because I do think that the story of Valyria mm-hmm. will make an amazing series and/or movies or series of movies down the line. But I do not think we're ready yeah, for yeah, it yet. Yeah. I think that Martin's got more to tell us about those things, mm-hmm. um, and I think that should be its own thing. I'd love to see a story set in Valyria where we see that the Targaryens aren't even a major house on Valyria. They're minor like, league. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And and the and the many wars and in Valyria itself and and the the volcanoes and and the magic and and the the such advancements that they had that disappeared because of the doom deserves its own thing. Yeah. Um I do love the idea though of establishing our Targaryens with Aenys in um Dana Mm-hmm. Danis is a, a premonition. I yeah. think that that's just like a cinematic way to be like the Targaryens were Valyrians who fled just before the doom and are the last dragon riders on, you know, Planetos and they settled right. on Dragonstone and, you know, down the generations we have 
Aegon Targaryen and his two mm. sister wives who, you know, through a series of events um, based on, you know, mm. uh, the the Durandans and the, and the yeah. different people on Westeros, you know, decided that their destiny was to um, establish a, a, a dominance over that continent. Um, yeah. So I, I could see like a, like an epic sort of, uh, prologue that explains all of those things and even gives us some visuals of you know the volcanoes erupting yeah. and the dragons and and who's left it's just the Targaryens and the five dragons that they had on Dragonstone and um and you know and they turn their backs to that and yeah. they look towards the future that's yeah great answer I would expect nothing less I love the prologue the prologue idea love the prologue idea because yeah so when, when you see Jorah and, and Tyrion you know paddle through there and, and, and Stoneman and everything but it's just before that moment and that's a great moment the Stoneman and everything but like I was in as odd and I know you were a lot of us were because we hadn't really seen that this isn't a place we've gone in the books right at least yet and to see it even with the show's kind of version of it mm-hmm. it was breathtaking yep um, to, so to get that story, it would connect with the show that people are familiar with. It would work. And, it, it, you know, otherwise you might have the show, the reference to the doom would be, would be just like the in game of Thrones, just this really weird ancient history thing. So you, to explain it in a prologue some way, um, but then jump, uh, do you jumping ahead? If, if, if dance and Dra- dance of dragons is where they go, then you'd have to also roll through Aegon. I was going to say, yeah. then the prologue gets a little longer because you have to establish, you know, <laughs> Aegon one and sisters and the conquest. I mean, maybe even, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, hit on all of the important things because like we mentioned before the break, you know, Aegon's conquest, you know, went smoothly in some ways and not so yeah. with others in the way that, you know, they sort of let things lie with Dorne is interesting in and of mm-hmm. itself. But, you know, they established it in the, in the, the starting of building King's Landing and the crowning. And, you know, there's a lot of interesting things there, but you kind of have to like move through that. And then he, you know, led with an iron fist. So he, yeah. he conquered everybody. So they all bowed down to him. He was already married to his, his sisters at that point. Right. So that the, the faith couldn't really say a whole lot. Things got much trickier with his heirs because yeah. neither I, Anis nor Magor were Aegon. Yeah. Um, and caused all kinds of trouble. But I do feel like as much as those stories are great and I do think would make a great series, it would be easy enough to in that voiceover, you know, Aegon passes and the realm is in the hands of his, his weaker son, Aenys, um, and, and things just didn't go very well there. And Magor took it by force and plummeted the realm into chaos and fire and blood. And, you know, and it, and it took, um, you know, his death and the ascension of the boy King and queen to, to settle everything and whatnot. And I would, like I said, I would love that to be the series, but it probably won't be so you just have to be like and then jaharis the conciliator <laughs> reigned for so many years yeah um all uh, was good <laughs> all was good until you know the question of succession once again came yeah. into um uh, an issue in the great council and in all of these things and then you settle into like i said i think you need to settle into viserys's yeah. first reign um to really get to know all the players um and mm-hmm. uh and then uh maybe there maybe there's a time jump or something to get uh rainiera and, and Aegon a little older, older to actually jump into the dance itself yeah yeah the, yeah it's it's looking down it's like any story any trilogy of a movie you know so you go you want to start it at the most um, 
at the latest point you can to make it interesting. Right. And the dance seems to be the more, uh, the point. Yeah, because I, I think the, I think Aegon's conquest, I was so geared up to read about it. And then you see there's that, that 45 minute history and lore video they put out, mm-hmm. I think with the se- season seven disc uh, set. Um, and it's fascinating, and that just made, but it made me think. And watching that forty-five minute, you guys haven't watched yet. It's like those animated history and lore videos that have been with the the Blu-ray and DVD set since the beginning. Um, it, I realized it wasn't. It wasn't. The, it's not the most interesting part of this three hundred year history. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, in fact, the my favorite part of the history isn't even in fire and blood. Oh, yeah. I'm a big black fire fan. Black fire rebellion. The black yeah. fire rebellions is, would be the next big epic event that would and, be in the second part of fire and blood. Um, it's a little sad because you don't have dragons. Yeah. Um, that's certainly the case with the, with the first half of the Targaryen reign. Um, and dragons are a huge part of it. And again, yeah. for a TV show and the visuals and we saw what, I mean, what they did in game of Thrones yeah, with, yeah. with the dragons, they proved that they can do that. And we want them to continue to do that for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I think I, I mentioned it before, I think Aegon, the conqueror would make a really good show because I think that whoever wrote the show could do some interesting things with that character. Yeah, yeah. Cause he's not that fleshed out. And I still find that very enigmatic and a very interesting, like what would a showrunner in a, in a, a room full of writers have to say about yeah. his, his ruling style and, and what it meant to be a Targaryen at that point and what his goals were and the, the relationship he had with his two sister wives I, and everything. I think his sister wives um, are way more interesting. Right, and because they're way more fleshed out yeah. in the, in the stories for yeah. sure. And influential. And mm-hmm. you see a lot of things and yeah. Arya looks up to him. You know? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh it's interesting because I, I was, you know, again, the show's built. It's like the, it's it's like the signing of the Declaration of Independence, right? It's, it's the beginning of, of, of the modern timeline in, in the show. And um, it isn't, you're right, it isn't as fleshed out. But when you get there, you're kind of like, oh, he's not just a, he's a conqueror for a little bit. And then he, he's a, he just rules. What happens after is <laughs> could be interesting too, yeah. you know, especially as it rolls into Aenys's reign and then Magor's reign. Yeah, like the, where, the sort of devolution and the awareness of the people that had been subjugated to, we don't really actually like the fact that we were conquered by these people that married their sisters and like burned, you know, (laughs) whole houses to the ground and Harrenhal and all that stuff, you know, and they fought back and, and all of, and it's, it's great because the parallels can be made too with the sparrows. Yeah, yeah. The rising of the warrior, the the faith warriors, you know, right. um, and I think that that could be a really interesting avenue because it's so Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. you know, to have the religion involved in the and, politics. And the thing. Let's go to the Black Fires. You want to go to the Black Fires? I love the Black pitch, Fires. Pitch me the Black Fires. Now, this Oof. is probably going to be in volume two. Um, yes, I would think so. Yeah, it is. Uh, it has ties to... Um, and it has some theory ties to to uh, a Game of Thrones. Uh, you, you got some uh, names we're familiar with, or or should be uh, familiar with. Yeah, give me a, a sheer sure sea star uh, story. Uh, you know, sure, absolutely. Um, but where you go? What do you want to see? What would you want to see with this? It really comes down to me. Um, it, it just it parallels Game of Thrones so mm-hmm. well in the yeah. sense of you've got your Mad King. And Aegon the Fourth, mm-hmm. um, and and you know the idea that his legitimate son is not your epitome mm-hmm. of 
um, a Targaryen. He had he he, he took after his um, Martell mother and did not look the part. He mm. was not much of a warrior. He had dark hair, the olive skin color tone from Dorne, but he was actually a very good man and mm. a very competent king. But you have on the other side of the coin, Damon Blackfire, who right. is the king's bastard son, who he legitimizes, who is everything mm. you want in a Targaryen ruler. He looks the part, he acts the part. He is the, supposedly the epitome of chivalry because mm. this is the era of chivalry. You don't have dragons anymore. So right. you have kind of the, a, a rise of knighthood and the, classic and the idea, the, in, the, in the ideas and the ways that we think of in, in certain medieval histories. So you, I just love the idea of you having these opposing forces that it's almost about optics as, yeah. as is about what they bring to the table and how who in the realm sides with who, because it's, yeah. it's a, it's a 50, 50 thing. Like when I read uh, about the dance of the dragons, I'm like Rhaenyra all the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like the, the, I, I'm, I'm black. I'm not right. green. Like the, yeah, there yeah. was no, nothing in my head. The first time I read the black fires, I was, you know, daring all the way. Um, but you read the Duncan egg novels yeah. and the more you read about it, the more you get a sense of you kind of understood why the, you know, the reach and the people who understood, you know, that you need a, a, a ruler who is, uh, who rule in strength, who right. can wield the sword, can be the knight, could be the epitome of things. And don't forget that, you know, like they hate Dorn. Yeah. They absolutely hate they it. Like and yet Dorn. they have a Dornish queen. Yeah. And that was the way they got Dorn into the realm by marriage. But the rest of the realm, the rest of the six kingdoms were like, screw that. Not like that. Not we, we have been raiding and fighting with these people for hundreds of years. And now you're going to marry into them. Yeah. Like they were not happy about that. And you got to go, I kind of understand that. Yeah. So I like the Blackfire rebellions because I like that both sides are even they have mm. legitimate thoughts and I mean there's plenty of evil players in there yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, but it's but it just there's so the, if you want to get into the the murk of the politics and the and the machinations and, and that side of Game of Thrones, plus get big battles, then this yeah. is the story for you. Well, and then at the end of the day, I, I I mean Blood Raven is probably my favorite Game of Thrones character of all yeah, time. Yeah, and that's and that's where it <laughs> connects to Blood Raven, uh, uh in uh, you know the, the three eyed crow or Raven, depending on what you how you want to read it and look at it. Yeah, that's where he comes out of, right? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, a fascinating character. And, uh, you know, I, I am one of the ones who can get really easily behind the Quaith is, uh, is, uh, a, is a reborn or still alive. <laughs> Shira. Sea Star thing there. Yeah, Blackfire Rebellion would be, yeah, because you talk, you Duncan Egg, you took a touch on a little bit there if you guys read the comics and everything there. Um, it is, you're right. I didn't really thought about it. It's not just the most Game of Thrones thing. In terms of uh, the, the overall optics, it doesn't have the dragons, which the show doesn't have for, you know, it, it, it does eventually, but it's not there right away. But it has more of the intrigue versus dragon versus dragon, conquer or conquered. It has more yeah. of just what you said. What side do you choose? Which way do you go? Is Tywin a bad guy? Is Tywin a good guy? Mm-hmm. Cersei, you know, yeah. uh, I don't like Cersei, but I do sympathize with her. Right. There's a lot more of that going mm-hmm. on there. Absolutely. Mm. I think that there's just so much potential there. And I I just cannot imagine that, you know, if we're looking at way down the line that they're going to run their way through multiple Game of Thrones shows, right. that this isn't eventually one that they do. Yeah. Um, it just, it makes too much sense makes to me. Sense. And, it, and it kind of, kind of ends and rolls into the reign of Aegon the fifth 
yeah, in a way, uh, egg. Know, yeah, egg. So it, yeah. that's and and that's a, a little bit of like a reprieve before it sort of devolves again. You have the tragedy at Summerhall, and then yeah. you know you end up with Ares, and it all falls apart. Yeah, War of Nine Penny Kings. We get mm-hmm. a young Barrison Selmy. Yeah. So that's an interesting option to look at. Uh, again, that's possibly. I mean, more than likely, Volume Two. They were getting that in there, and they they don't really say they don't specifically say Volume One or Two. They just say that we're adapting Fire and Blood. Right. I mean, doing something with Fire and Blood. We're assuming it's to just on the chronology of the Fire and Blood that came out. It Mm -hmm. ends at Aegon the Third finally taking up the kingship, which was a very mean place to end. I might add. (laughs) Um, Yeah. It was just like, and he like strolls into the the throne room and sits down and is like, nope, I'm not going on a progress. I'm not doing anything. You people, you regents, tell me to do anymore. I'm going to be king. And he is a very, 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 very troubled person. Yeah. uh, So you can't imagine it's going to go particularly well. But, um, it's a good cliffhanger. Yeah. You know. But it happens right around the 140-year yeah, mark, yeah, yeah, yeah. mark. So, yeah. like, so that, in given that we're looking at timeline. a 300-year or so timeline, yeah. it, I, I assume that part two will just be a, a part two and that we're not looking at part three as well. But you never know you with George. You never know with George. <laughs> Some, uh, I, I'm more thinking about the Blackfire Rebellion is... It's, it's an interesting winner. It's a, it could be a winner in my mind. There, any any final ones here as we start to wrap up? Anything? Where else you want to go? I just I know you. I know you got some notes, and I don't want to leave them on the table. <laughs> but we always have more episodes. There's just there's all kinds of characters mm. that you know. I don't know how much or how little. I mean, the big players, of course, I'm excited to see. But something as simple as uh, John Keel Dark, mm. the uh, the Scarlet Scarlet Serpent. Yes. Um, yeah. So there's the the story that you know the. Um, uh, Jaehaerys's Kingsguard's members were, or the a few of them were chosen based on a tourney, mm. and it just so happened that in the melee in the tourney, um, a mystery knight called the Scarlet Serpent won. Turned out it was a woman. Yeah. Uh, couldn't be his uh, a Kingsguard at the time because of the rules. Um, but later on, Alisan was attacked. Um, when she was pregnant with their first child and after she survived it, they decided that she should have her own personal kind of a, a, mm. a King's guard, Queen's guard yeah. type situation. And she was like, well, uh, I was attacking the baths, which is <laughs> men can't go. So I want a woman. And so let's bring this Scarlet right. Serpent back. And John Kildark became her, um, bodyguard for yeah. all intents and purposes. So little things like that, you know, that George, you know, snuck in there, such great, little tidbits mm-hmm. um so as much as the big players i'm sure we'll see i very much hope that we get to you know see some of these small great side characters too because that is what makes the show it really that's does. what made the previous eight years we love the big stars but man it's the conversations about hot pie that keep you coming <laughs> back uh rachel we could go on and on and on really and could. i mean that in the best way possible but we're gonna wrap it up here today on Castle talk and get you back real soon i know andres cabrera and i are licking our chops to talk about tywin that's coming up soon nice. too uh your guys' thoughts and questions keep them coming you can use the hashtag Cashly talk on Twitter and uh, call in here to anchor. You heard uh, Eric and Thomas. We get a lot of great calls from you. We're still doing doing those Game of Thrones what ifs. That's going uh, as as long as uh, we want it to be. There's a lot of great what ifs. Uh, we had one from last week. Uh, uh, Rachel Mark, I don't know if you heard it. Uh, Mark Talk uh, called in asking, "What if what if uh, Ned was late to the Tower of Joy? Wouldn't what if he didn't get there and wow. knew his sister was dead?" but didn't know that the baby born, what it was. Maybe he didn't get all the information. What would have happened? It spins oh, you off boy, into another yeah. spot. Nope, that's a good one. 
Yep, we're having a lot of fun with those. Uh, Rachel, I know you are uh, not a... Imagine if Arthur Dane was still alive. Oh, my God, my nope. head just exploded. I see. That's why I started to go down that way. Because I thought, does he go down to Dorne? Does he go down, right. down to the heart of Dorne and say, we're we're fighting now? Come get me, Robert. Yeah. Come get me. See? This is mm-hmm. why we do the Game yeah. of Thrones. What ifs? Uh, more of those. Uh, Lon, uh, it should come back as well. Uh, a lot coming on. Uh, Rachel, I know you're not a... Uh, you are a retired legend in the Schmodown, uh, but they can still uh, watch that. Any any uh, Anything? Anything uh, you're working on that you can share and uh, promote? or um, I have a show that's airing right now um, called A Wedding and a Murder on Oxygen. It's a true crime show. And, uh, and a new show, uh, well, season two of Ready to Love on Oprah's network, Oxygen, uh, premieres next month. And I was an editor on that as well. She does great work, folks. She's not just a trivia champion. Did you know that? I knew that. Now you do, too. Rachel, thanks for coming in. Thank you all for listening here on Casterly Talk. Go start some kind of rebellion, yeah, Blackfires.